Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Ecclesiastes 3, a time for everything. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from this toil? I have seen the burden God has held us laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever has already been and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, As for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of an animal goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? 
Thank you, Tricia. We're going to uh, stay in this passage, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Perhaps even if you uh, don't go to, to church very much, perhaps familiar words, especially uh, these first eight verses or so, that poem talking uh, about time. And really that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about time. That's what this chapter is about. There is a time uh, for everything. And we are a people ruled by time aren't we? Uh, what are we always checking? We're checking the time. We organize our lives by diaries or calendars and we make sure we're in the right place at the right time. Uh, we celebrate the passing of time. We were saying about Antonio's birthday. We celebrate these things. Another year uh, has passed. Um, we organize history by time. We are, we are creatures that are bound by time. We experience time we see the past, we see the present, we see the future. I guess even our grammar is based on time, you know, the tenses, past, present, future. It's in the fabric of our world and our understanding of it. Time is just that thing. And, you know, songs and films and books, they deal with that idea so often, don't they? The passing of time, uh, times changing uh, and so on. And the Bible's no different, actually, in this way. Here we are. Uh, being given a, a lesson on time. Uh, the Bible itself is, is a book that is written in time. It tells the story of the beginning of the world all the way uh, to looking towards the end of the world. We have the stories of, of kings and so on and uh, people like Abraham and their lives and times and how long they lived. And of course, Jesus came, lived in our world, well, uh, was bound by time in that way. Uh, and here, though, the, the preacher, the writer of this book, who, who, who's really just called the preacher, possibly a guy called King Solomon, he has a lot to say about time and something that I can think help us understand our own lives, our world today, but also why the good news of the gospel about Jesus, so that God is there, that, that, that Jesus has come, is good news for us. Again, you may have recognised the, the first part of our reading. You've probably been to a funeral uh, where it's been read uh, these words. But I want us to see beyond uh, that poem because it, it, it's written within this whole chapter. What follows after that poem, uh, a time to be born, a time to die and so on, is it, almost explaining uh, more of what it's talking uh, about. You can't read the first eight verses without verse nine, as we'll see. Uh, in a moment. But I want us to see that we are bound by time. Uh, so the first point is our experience of time. The second thing I want us to see is God and his experience of time. And really what we're going to see is the God who is outside of time. And then third, uh, it will seem like a bit of a, a sudden left turn. We're going to see the God of judgment. Uh, and I'll explain that uh, then. So our experience of time, the God who is outside of time, and the God of judgment. So first of all, our experience of time. And uh, simply they say the older that you get, the faster time goes. And, and we kind of know it to be true, don't we? Uh, in my experience, it's definitely true. We've talked about this in previous weeks. Life is short. It really is. Um, the preacher has, has said this multiple times. And yet at the same time, what he's saying is our experience of time, it's diverse. We have lots of different experiences through our lives and it's complex. Uh, 
that poem of verses two through eight, it, 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 it's the way of expanding on verse one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then he lists all these things. And it is a beautiful poem, isn't it? And it's really caught the imagination uh, of, of millions down the centuries, billions even. And it, you read it and it and it is kind of realistic isn't it it does kind of chime with our experiences we experience all these times we do all these things sometimes we have to um even decide when it's time to um to embrace or time to re refrain to hold back um it it's it's no surprise that it's popular even if you go to a humanist you know it'll, it may well be read uh people have no interest in faith like this passage and if you take it in isolation it anyone could have written it couldn't they uh it, it's a true poem in our experience we can think of all these things we know it's true that there is a time to be born and a time to die and, and it just covers all of life you know uh, uh a time to plant a time to pluck up um uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh all these things a time to keep silence and a time to speak just to to pick out a few it's these extremes and it's saying everything in between the extremes are to communicate everything in between all these we experience all these things and a mixture of them it is our lives it is our times it is what we have it is real life but again if you just take verses one to eight in isolation they could apply to anyone because it is just real life in a fallen world we know all these things to be true we experience them uh, some of them every day some of them throughout our lives and yet when you take it in isolation notice that we're not in control of any of this there's a time for it but it just happens doesn't it we're not really in control the order is completely random really apart from the first one there doesn't really seem to be a a logical order it's not really chronological um it's not doesn't seem to even be thematic it's just there and that's what time is like isn't it there's not really a lot of logic in our lives a lot of the time is there we face things things catch us by surprise things that we don't expect happen sometimes good sometimes bad we're not in control time just marches on keeps going all these things happen and we're just kind of standing there and hoping it's not too bad we don't really control it we try to and we we give ourselves the illusion of control but ultimately we have all these experiences and we can't really stop them because that's just life it's just what is happening time uh, is certain time is going to happen and it passes us by we can't change the past we are stuck in our present time we can dream about the future but the past has already happened and here we are uh, and if you take God out of the equation, we'll come to him. But it's kind of bleak, isn't it? But it's just real life. Um, we're, we're obsessed with time travel, though. We want to change the past. We want things to be different. Uh, Doctor Who is very popular. I believe that's all about time travel and, and all that. Back to the Future, still popular today. We like this idea of time travel. We like the idea that things can be changed. It's so tantalizing to us because we don't want to be bound by time we recognize the problem but we don't know the real solution we like to fantasize but we don't know the solution 
just to, to illustrate this, maybe you've seen the film Napoleon Dynamite. It's a really daft comedy, so I think it's great. Um, and one of the characters is, is called Uncle Rico, and he's a, a middle-aged man. And all he does is he looks back to his high school days, and it's American, so he's looking back to his high school football days. And uh, he was a football star, but he failed. And he wants to go back. He wants to go back to 1982 so that he can go back and make the pass. Um, he's still uh, videoing himself playing football uh, so that he can uh, live in the past. Uh, and his desperation even means that he buys this time machine off the, the internet, uh, which obviously doesn't uh, work. He's, he's totally stuck in the past. That's his life. He's, he's, he's not grown out of 1982. Uh, and this was in 2004 or something, so it's a long time. Uh, and we all know someone who's a little bit stuck in the past, don't we? They're, they're just there. They're living on the past glories. Uh, maybe There's probably some ways that we do it ourselves. Um, we wish we could go back. We wish we could go back to the good old days sometimes, when everything seems so good. Or we wish we could go back and change something. But deep down we know that's not how time works. And that's what the poem's showing us. Time just moves on. It keeps going. There is a time for everything. It keeps happening. It keeps going. And we're powerless. We are there. And it just keeps going on. Times come and go and they pass us. But we blink and we miss them. And we don't realise we were in the good old days until they were pa their past. And so it is a relatable poem. Because it does tell us exactly what our experience of time is. We are out of control. We are trying to bring something from the past. We are hoping for something better from the future. But we don't really know. But in our experience of time, then verse 9 comes. He writes the poem and then he writes verse 9. And in my Bible, there's a little subheading and it kind of separates it. But that probably wasn't there. And he says... What gain has the worker from his toil? He d writes this poem, beautiful it is, What gain has the worker from his toil? Uh, David Gibson, uh, someone who wrote on this, described it as a sucker punch. This is your life, this is time. What gain? And we stop and think about it, it's a sucker punch. It asks the awful question. We, we don't like to think about it. What gain from all this time? What is it? What is there? There's a time to be born, but there's a time to die. What gain do we have? And verse 9, believe it or not, is not the one that gets read at funerals. We'll read the first eight verses, but verse 9 gets left out because it's a, it's, it's a kind of miserable question, but it's a realistic question. But let's, be, let's begin to see the hope in our experience of time. We'll see hope from God, but in our experience of time, the preacher hasn't changed his opinion from the previous chapter. Last week we saw that um, we can that everything is from God's hand and we can find enjoyment in our work, in, in the, the pleasures of this life, when we enjoy them in, in God's way, when we recognise that they are God's gift. And he says almost the same thing here. I perceived, verse 12, that there is nothing better than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live and that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Time is immovable and out of control. And the sooner that we accept that and enjoy the things that God has given, we will then start living and actually enjoying the things that are before us and dealing with the difficult things that come our way. God has given these things. Time is immovable, out of control, but we can enjoy 
the good times. We can actually make the most of what we have because it's there. Because it's there. Uh, and God has given it. He's given that time to be born. He's given that time to plant. He's given that time to kill, that time to heal. These things all come. God is over it all. And we are living it out. And what we can do is, is take what comes and, and actually make the most of it. And not in a selfish way. Not just, I'm just going to live for myself. Life is short. I'll live for myself. That's kind of the attitude a lot of people say. But no, he's saying, uh, do good, be joyful, and do good as long as they live. We're, we're to make the most of the time that God has given. We're not to, to waste it. We can enjoy things, yes, but we don't waste the time, fritter it away. We don't declare it meaningless either, though. We enjoy, we use the time that we have for good because that is what there is. That is real life. And when we accept that, we can begin uh, to enjoy it. We do have eternity in our hearts, uh, and yet we can't find out what God has done. We are stuck in our time, and yet we dream of something more. We have that fantasy. We dream of changing the past. But we can't find out. So we can enjoy. We can accept that. Uh, I think the, the conversation between Gandalf and Frodo in The Lord of the Rings uh, helps me understand it anyway. Frodo says to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf says, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is to decide uh, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. What will we do with the time that is given to us? It is there. We are living it. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to, to waste it away? Are we going to try and do what the preacher did a chapter before and just live for ourselves to the max? Or are we going to see that God has given us our lives? He has given us these things and we can enjoy things and we can do good. We can uh, as Christians often say, redeem the time. We can we can make the most of it doing good. So what will we do as we experience time? That is our experience of time. Uh, I didn't see anyone shaking their head. I think we all know that that is what we that is what we live out. But there is hope when we recognise that, and there is hope because there is a God who is outside of time. That's our second thing, and we find it hard to contemplate because we are so bound by time. As we said at the start, that is our experience. But God is completely outside of time. He is unlimited in his power. He doesn't look at the world and at history in the linear way that we do. Uh, he knows everything from beginning to end. He has created everything. He stands above everything. You see, part of our problem is that we are uh, what a guy called Derek Kinder describes as nearsighted. Uh, and this made me think, actually, uh, maybe you've heard of the Nazca lines. I think they're in Peru, round about there. Nazca lines. And uh, these lines are carved into the earth and they create these pictures, geometric shapes, some of them animals and so on. And uh, when Europeans first came, uh, I'm told they thought that they were, they were paths or roads or, or trail markers. They couldn't see what was there, really. They could see the, the literal thing there, but their view was very close up. And it wasn't till later, I don't know when exactly, that people either went up mountains or maybe when planes came along and they go over and they see the whole time. It's been this beautiful artistic picture that uh, was there. The higher ground, the vantage point reveals what is there. And that's a bit like God's perspective 
on this world and our perspective on this world. We see what's before us. We see our present. We dream about the future, as we said, but we see our present. We just see the line in front of us. God sees the whole picture. God knows the whole picture. And he creates the beauty that is over our whole lives. We're nearsighted. God sees everything. And we're told, actually, that he has made everything beautiful in its time. As we only see a little bit, we can still appreciate it, as we've said. These things can be beautiful and good when we enjoy them. But remember, God sees everything. And because he's made it, it's his gift. And yes, it can seem incomprehensible to us. We just see the part. But our dismay, our our, our misery is taken away when we understand that God sees everything, that he stands above time and that he is in control of it all. Sometimes we call, say God is sovereign, that he is over it all. He sees the whole picture. Because someone who doesn't believe, someone who doesn't have faith, uh, may try and find comfort in, in some of the things we've said that well this is life so I'll just do but the man with no faith as again this guy Derek Kinder says the man with no faith is doing it into the void it's a scary thought isn't it if we're just hoping because we want to hope if we're hoping not because God is there where's that hope based it's the void it's nothing hoping into the void it's a scary thought and that's kind of the point without a god who is not bound by time who has created time and is in control of time then there is a meaninglessness to this world it is truly vanity but because there is a god who has done everything from beginning to end there is hope for us and so we can say this is god's gift we can enjoy um knowing verse 13 this is god's gift to man we can enjoy that can know god is in control god is above all he sees the whole uh picture he stands out of of time another way uh, you've maybe heard it described before it's the tapestry and maybe we see it from the back all the dark threads hanging loose and so on god's made it god sees the the whole uh the whole tapestry of our lives and this whole world and 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 i find that comforting when we contemplate time, when we're aware of the first point, how out of control we are, that above it all, God is there and he knows. He sees all these times. He has created all these times and they are in his hands. Somewhere else in the Bible says, my times are in your hands. He knows. I think it's a challenge to us as well. Yes, it's a comfort, but it's a challenge as well because most of us, to some extent, are control freaks. Even if we don't know, we might not control others, but our control of our own lives is incredibly important to us. And so the challenge, whether you believe or not today, is do we trust the eternal God who has made everything, who is outside of time, who has given us all these things to enjoy and to do good with? Do we trust him really? Or are we trying to keep control of time, even something still out of our control? Do we trust in him who even knows the time of our death? And that doesn't sound like a comforting thing, uh, I know. But I, it made me think, actually, and my dad would always say this when he was going to do something stupid, usually. But he said, I won't die a minute before I'm supposed to. Uh, that's what he always said. Um, and he knew God was in control of time. He knew that there was a time for everything, that it would come 
and it, it, it did come, uh, and it will come to us all. Um, and so he lived his life uh, and did what he could. Uh, and that's the attitude we all need. Uh, God has it. He's given life. We've got to make the most of it now. He's outside of time. We've got to rest in that and live life now. David Gibson again says, Satisfaction comes when you know you are a time-bound creature and God is the eternal creator. Do you see? It's knowing our place. We are time-bound. He is not. He is in control. Satisfaction comes when we can accept that and keep going. And, and my problem, and I'm sure all our problems, is we're too tied to ourselves and we don't trust God the way that we should a lot of the time and see time as the gift that he gives, the good and the bad that is placed before us. God works through time. God is outside of time. And yet, let's just finish this point by saying he is not indifferent to time. He does not ignore time. Because he's created it, he cares uh, about it. And Galatians 4 verse 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It's a reminder that as God looks in our world, as he sees everything, he had a time to send his son. He had a time for Jesus to come so that we could be forgiven. And that means that God himself, son of God, came and experienced the futility of our time. He lived what we have lived. He knew uh, firsthand that time to born, that time to die. He lured himself into this. He understands our suffering. He understands our lives. But he went and he experienced the end of a time to be born. And he experienced a time to die all through John's gospel. We were reading at community group last week. He keeps saying, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And then he's about to go to the cross. My hour has come. The time had come. And so Jesus comes into our experience of time so that we can be forgiven. And actually so that we can look forward to the day where there is no time, where we are in eternal life, where we are with him forever. And that is hope for us because we know how bound for time we are. We know that eternity is in our hearts. We know that there must be something more. Every single one of us, we want to live forever. And that is exactly what God offers through Jesus. He has stepped into time so that we can be rescued, so that we can have life. So that's what God has done. That is where Christ comes in for us, into our time to rescue us. But third of all, we need to see the God of judgment. And it seems a strange note to end on, doesn't it? Why not just end on that nice thing about Jesus? That was great, wasn't it? Why not end there? But, but God's judgment is good news. It's something that he does for us, actually, to a large extent. And we don't like to talk about judgment. Of course we don't. Um, we, Because I think we're kind of aware that judgment means bad news for us without Jesus. But uh, it seems a strange... I'll need to stand closer to this one, sorry. It seems a strange uh, thing, but every single one of us, actually, has faced hurt. Every single one of us has faced pain. Uh, we've faced wrongdoing. We've lived through it. We have been wounded as people. Time has passed by, though. Again, time keeps going. People stop caring. People forget. Maybe we don't forget, but those around us forget and they move on. And it feels so unjust. How many people have silently faced crime, abuse even, and there's been no justice? 
No one has faced the consequences in this life and time has moved on and the wounds are still there. Is the world really that unjust? None of us thinks it should be. Everyone thinks there must be some sort of of justice. And when there is a God who is outside of time, when there is a God who judges, uh, as we're told um, in verse 17, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. When there is a God who judges, that is good news. Because all the wrongs of this world, everything bad, will have its day in court will be done with all the good will be shown as well but these things will have their day in court they will be dealt with and in fact verse 15 said god seeks what has been driven uh, away and i think trisha read from the niv which kind of made it clearer that the language is that of a shepherd going for a sheep Um, and it's to say that, that we live our lives that time is going by wrongs and hurt remains and we have to move on or try to But God can take the past, God can take what is in the past, and he can make it right. And that is what he promises to do when he returns in judgment. And uh, it is hard for us to accept because we want justice now. But the promise of this is we can actually have justice, that God will come in judgment. And he he will even bring it from the past because he's not bound by time as we are. And he will bring judgment, he will bring justice and verse 16 continues we're in a world of corruption in the place of justice there was wickedness in the place of righteousness there was wickedness that is our world we just have to look at the news we just have to look at those look at the post office uh look at the the horizon scandal injustice there's a measure of justice in this life as they've been found out and but the the punishment was still given Uh, lives were still ruined and that can't be fixed that can't be changed now can it it happened that was that experience of time but god promises justice god promises something better something new and we don't think of judgment as hope but verse 17 says god will judge the righteous and the wicked for there's a time for every matter for every work and when we think of judgment in that way as that hope becomes a wonderful thing, doesn't it? It becomes a really good thing. Yes, we know in our lives there is things that we should be judged for. And yet at the same time, the gospel tells us that Christ has taken the punishment that we deserve for that. So when we have the gospel, this becomes really good, good news. God has not forgotten. God will not let wrongdoing go unpunished. Christ has taken the punishment for our wrongdoing for anyone who believes and he will make everything new. He will bring everything to light. He will make everything right. And then the the question that most people have at this point is, that's great. Why does he wait? Why isn't he doing it now? Why isn't he coming right now? Why are we sitting here? Why has he left us to this? And we're told, and it sounds strange, does it? It sounds a bit harsh. But verse 18 essentially says we're being tested by God. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them that they they, may see that they themselves are but beasts. The test isn't for God's benefit. It's not, is this guy ready for heaven? Is this guy done good enough? That's not the test. That's never the test with God. The test is for our benefit. He's showing us who we really are. That we're beasts he says we're like the animal again no one likes to be told that it's not saying that we're sort of uh, awful 
It's saying we're mortal, that just like the animals, we are mortal, that again, we will die uh, just like uh, them, that God wants us to know that we are mortal, that we have an expiration date, if I can put it like that, that we uh, will, there is a time to be born, that there is a time to die. And so the question becomes, what happens to the spirit? All go to the dust. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? There is a question there uh, that, that, that is left uh, unanswered here. But if you read Psalm 49 later, you'll see that our spirits can go up, that they do go up. And that's a way of saying we can live eternally, that we are not simple beasts in that sense, that God can give us eternal life, that as his judgment comes, that there is hope for us, that God delays his judgment, actually, so that we have time to find out who we are, not in the sense of got to find myself, in the sense of I need to know that I am mortal and that I need God, I need his forgiveness, I need his son who stepped into time and that that son that that jesus will return that he will bring judgment that there will be justice for this world and that he has taken the punishment that i deserve that you deserve if we have placed our faith in him and that we will have eternal life we live in this world time is passing us by there is that time for everything it's all happening and so just to sum up we can find joy we can do good we can enjoy these things he's not saying don't and we find meaning, we find satisfaction actually when we accept, I am limited, I am mortal, I'm not in control of time, but God has given this before me. But we can also see that in all our suffering, in all our pain, in all this world's trial, that there is a God who is outside of time and he will bring judgment, he will bring justice, and that is good. And so living in this life is accepting who we are, time-bound, knowing that God knows everything, that he stands above it all, that he sees the whole picture. And perhaps it's not an easy message, but I really believe this is a message of hope for us as we face our reality, that we have hope that time is in God's hands, that he is above it all, that we can enjoy life, that there is real beauty. He has made things beautiful in their time, that there is justice in this world still to come, and we can live uh, in our times and look forward to a time of no tears or pain or suffering where we live eternally. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensborough and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensborough.org.